0: Fix the convince. Welcome to the Fix the Convince podcast. Here's your host, New Spark founder Paul Mosenson. Hello out there, it's Paul Mosenson. I'm the founder of New Spark Consulting, a fractional CMO service, and my message, of course, is fix the convince. Because everything we do in marketing is about convincing. Think about it: convince to click, convince to engage, convince to give up an email address. Convince to sell, I mean, however you want to think about. It. The whole funnel is about convincing, including email subject lines. Is what we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Convince me to open emails. Convince me to click in an email. That's all part of email metrics, but it's important because you're trying to engage an audience um, with a really compelling message that solves a business problem, right? And so we're going to talk about that today and more of the technical side, but still strategic. Because if we're going to do email marketing, um, we want to get these emails in the inbox, right? So that's what we're going to talk about. And my guest today is Matt Ratliff, and he is an email technical guru. Um, And his his company is called MG Empire, but his website, DBA, is funneltechie.com. that's that's right the word funnel right that's the big thing not click funnels we know what that is but it's funnel techie he does the tech stuff that is needed to implement code email campaigns or any email campaign for that matter and he does other technical stuff too which is pretty amazing he uses zapier a lot i I never know it's like niche and niche zapier zapier depending on who you talk to right hey matt how are you
1: (laughs) i'm good sir how are you doing
0: Good good, thanks for joining me today in this insightful conversation.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for having me.:
0: Sure, sure. And any issues, I'll just email you, but check your junk folder as well, right? So <laughs> we always say that to um, I don't get your email, right? What happens? Well, it's a junk folder. Is it it's possible? Not, or maybe I don't see it at all. You have to check your quarantine file, right? So that's all tech stuff out there. Um, But you are considered a tech nerd. That's what you wrote yourself about. Um,
1: Tech nerd or tech ninja.
0: Tech ninja. Ninja. All right. Um, So who are you anyway? You say you've spent 20 years um, cultivating your tech skills by uh, building um, computer networks all over the world?
1: Essentially, yeah. So my background, so I started uh, an IT professional career back in 2001. And uh, so since then, I've been cultivating my skills and long story short, I fell in love with doing um, network engineering. So imagine how you're on a computer, you're sitting in Starbucks, you're surfing the web, everything that goes behind giving you access to the internet, making these websites live on the internet, everything behind it, all of the security, that's what I've built. And I've done this for companies all over the globe. And so, um, yeah, so that's what I've been doing for the past 20 years.
0: Um, great. Um, by the way, is your phone on mute? Cause mine is now. <laughs> all right. You mine do, is. Yep. Um, how did you get involved with this email side of things or these marketing <laughs> tech?
1: Yeah, well, you know, this, this sort of fell in my lap. So I'll give you, uh, my background story. So the way all of this came together, um, I started a a position with a company that allowed me to have tons of free time, like boatloads. And so I really wanted to um, eventually create my own business. So this kind of gave me that uh, that ability to to do it. And so then I'm like, what am I going to do? So I began searching for things to get into. Through this searching, I found. Um, empire flippers believe that's the website where you can go and purchase domains. And basically it's a, it's a place you can go and buy a online uh, retailer, you know, site or whatever. So you make a purchase of it and then make it into your own business. So I bought uh, a particular website and it came with some assets. It was a Shopify store. It was a drop shipping type of setup. Um, It came with a Facebook group. Over the period of five months of owning this particular business, this resource, um, I grew it from, uh, I think it had roughly a 1,000 users in this Facebook group uh, to over 25,000, wow. and it was it was doing really good. But during this whole time, I was learning Facebook ads, not being very good at it. We had some home runs here and there, but we still didn't know enough. So we thought, okay, let's go ahead and cut our losses. Let's sell it and then see what else we can do. So I managed to sell it for um, five figures. And that was the first of this whole entrepreneurial journey. So we, uh, from there, we discovered ClickFunnels and I started to put things together. So I realized very soon after joining ClickFunnels that there was this um, hole where people ha- still had to do tech, even though Russell was saying... You know, if you if you have click funnels, it's point and click. It's very easy, uh, but there's a lot of other other things go under the hood, and so I quickly realized this. So in 2019 is when Funnel Techie was born. I was sitting at uh, in a conference. It was actually um, it was uh, Funnel Hacking Live 2019. I was sitting in the audience. I saw Julie Stoyan speak, and boom, I had an epiphany uh, during her presentation. And I knew immediately that I was going to do funnel techie and help people with their tech, so that's how this whole thing was born and then last uh, last year so twenty twenty one is where uh, is when I began doing the email deliverability aspect of this so you know from twenty nineteen up to that point, I was help- helping tons of people with getting their click funnels. Funnels established, getting all their back-end integrations completed. Um, you know, doing high-level, doing all sorts of other SaaS applications. You know, helping pick people with that. One of my clients came to me and said, "Hey, do you know anything about email deliverability?" Well, through my career of being a network engineer, I had done a ton of deployments with email servers. Right. So yeah, I knew a ton about how to do all of this. Right. So I was like, "Yeah, I'll help you out." And uh, it turns out that I love it and i was able to help them uh, their deliverability rate skyrocketed they had no more issues and that's kind of how this whole email deliverability aspect got started
0: yeah. and so here i am great great you know it it's something that is can be flown under the radar if you don't really understand it you know hey you know because you know there's in the day back in the day well we'll say that and maybe the last decade we had you know, there was companies, especially in this country before GDPR overseas and Canada you can't do it really. But, um, as long as um you know, America says you can interrupt people, um, you know, <laughs> we have, uh, an opportunity, but the point though, is, you know, you know, you can, uh, um, um, take advantage of what you have. And so that we have lists like Hoover's and, and, you know, done and Bradstreet and, and, in info usa maybe was another one so what did you, you you were able to like download emails um you know and then put them in your maybe your marketos and we won't tell or Mailchimp's and things like that and nobody thought like you know we set it up let's let's buy an email list what do we do with it you know let's send people emails right so then you in but you know you don't realize that you know back in the day that you didn't real that there was spam and things like i think they were there but you figured oh it's probably not that much right but uh, but you'd be surprised right and um so i'm still like what's changed not just technology but you know you know the crunch crunch down i guess on servers and yeah exactly things like that so um so yeah you can get a list from all these tools even zoom info you download emails right right um and so You need someone there to say, okay, how do we deploy this? And not just writing the emails and putting it in a click funnels or uh, any marketing automation, you know, the sharp springs and the HubSpots and whatever. But, um, and you know, that's the thing, right? We start, that's a whole nother topic, Matt, right? Is, you know, when you, when you upload a list on HubSpot, for example, they're going to put that big note right in front of you. Oh yeah. They expect your emails, correct?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So if you're uploading a list, that's a different story. So there's a lot that goes behind that and, uh, lots of bad things could happen if it's not from a, a more of an organic approach. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. I think some tools, they turn their heads a little bit, you know, and exactly, like, um, you know, like I know when I was setting up my code email campaign, use the high level tool and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, um, you know, which is a a robust CRM slash lead generation platform. Um, yeah, nobody, I mean, and then you use like, then you set it up with a with a, what we call an SMTP server, mm-hmm. and this is designed. So there's, let me just circle back for a minute, Matt. And you can interrupt. So there's two kinds of email marketing. There's the tools that use your own Gmail or Outlook domain, but they're not, um, they're not uh. Um, going through a third-party server. They're going through your own server. So you got to be careful with emails per hour, right?
1: Yeah, so you can, so you can use uh, G Suite or now Google Workspace or Office 365 the same way. So through SMTP credentials and ho- hooking up to the servers like that. And so you can use it in that fashion. But yeah, so there's a cap. Um, there's a period. So if you're, if you're brand new, let's say that you established something very brand new, hooked it up to go high level, uh, and began using it. You can't immediately, although there is a cap of 2000 per day, you still can't get up to that level immediately. So you got to be careful even with that approach. So there's a warm up period with using it in that fashion, but it's doable and you can make it work.
0: Yeah. Um, when I, when I set them up with like a mail gun, which is an SMTP server or Amazon SES, you know, hopefully yeah. people have heard about that out there. These are all like, you know, a SendGrid. Um, there's a few other ones, I guess. They're, these are designed for bulk emails, allegedly, right? Um, and then you, this is a game, right? Because they say like, oh, here's your starting point. So, well, can I raise it <laughs> to 50,000 a month? Yes. Um, Are you using them as opt in? Yes.
1: Right. Right. Isn't that
0: like a little cheat? And maybe people aren't, but they have to do that to get the bulk numbers.
1: Yeah, it is kind of like a game in a way. Yeah, that's a That's one way to definitely look at it. And yeah, you can find, you can get around the systems, right? You can get around certain things, certainly.
0: But they feel like it's okay. I mean, they'll just look at the numbers, and that's where you come in, right? Because. So you're buying a list from one of these sources, say Zoom Info or something, and then you're going to deploy them, maybe not through HubSpot, but a third-party tool that you know, does large emails on your program. Like Marketing Automation used to do the same thing. Like the old days of Marketo and things, they didn't really say, oh, you better do you, you sign this that it's opt-in. That You know, they didn't have to do that back then. Now, maybe they mm-hmm. do now, but back then it was kind of like, turn the heads a little bit because that's what companies did right was uh, do email marketing right but that was the old. they didn't think about the 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 domain names and the protections and all these other things so what is so um i know rambling a little bit but you get an idea of um you know the strategy of trying to you know let's just say do what is necessary to make cold email campaigns effective if you're going to do it as part of your outbound strategy, right? And do it the right way so that your own domain doesn't get hurt and blacklisted, right?
1: Yeah, doing it the right way is the key, right? So doing it the proper way. And we can sort of dive into that a little bit if you want. Sure. So let's say that you've got your main root domain and we'll use mine for an example. So funneltechy.com. So I wouldn't want to use FunnelTechie.com for cold email outreach. Well, why? Well, I'm using FunnelTechie.com has my day-to-day email sending. And so I'm communicating with other people, businesses, transactions. If that were to get blacklisted or if enough people, if I send that out to a huge cold email list, if enough people right-clicked and said, send a junk, mark a spam, that's bad. Now the inbox providers have now flagged me. That's a little bit, well, that's certainly worse than having an IP blacklist in my, in my book. If you have an inbox provider that's taken note of your domain and they know that no one wants to hear from you, well, then you can't use it. It's, there's a, you can fix it, but it takes an awfully long time. So that's why Um, The better approach, especially from a cold email sending, really any email sending, uh, make sure that you structure um, a a subdomain. So if you're going to use your root domain as the base, make sure that you're using subdomains for your marketing, your transactional, and especially for your cold. Now, there's a rule of thumb to think about here is that your subdomains can potentially ruin the root if there's enough bad activity on it. So it would be a lot better of of an approach, especially with a cold email setup, with establishing a a totally different top-level domain. So funneltechie.com, the .com is the top-level domain. We want to do, I don't know, maybe uh, funneltechie.net. .co, that's what
0: you mean, right?
1: Well, we want to stay with uh, the, the .coms, the .nets, the .govs, things of that sort. Um, but definitely keep that top level domain different for cold email sending, because we don't want to take that chance of ruining, um, the main one. So keep that you completely. Know, and chances isolated. Are,
0: nobody really looks at that as much as they read an email and, you know, they don't you just see like the, the, the contact information where it's from. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's really about the content itself. And, the, and the, yeah. and of course, exactly, the
1: manager, exactly,
0: so. but it does, um, you know, if they do reply to that email, like take me off your list, you still need to see that and get that new email, the new domain forwarded to your regular domain or check that new domain just to exactly a little bit, right?
1: Yeah. As long as you've got the tech under the hood, that it's going to be, uh, you're going to properly honor. So this will be a a bulk sending type of situation. So as long as you've got the unsubscribe link in there and they want to unsubscribe, hopefully they click that link as opposed to marking the spam. That's the easiest thing for people to do because most people are lazy and they just want to, you know, not see you anymore. But if you can make it easy for them, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I'll, I'll make this argument. In order to make it super easy for people to unsubscribe from you, you could also include a manual unsubscribe link at the very top of your email. And people are like, why? When I tell my clients this, they're like, no, that would look terrible. Well, that's really no different from a list unsubscribe header. So you can also implement that, which kind of lives. If you, if you look at an email, you get it to the right of an email address, you'll see the unsubscribe link that's considered a list unsubscribe header. That's the best one available, but you can still include a manual unsubscribe at the top of your uh, email body. If you wanted.
0: Most email platforms have an unsubscribe. So they tell you how to do that in their own system. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's important. Right. So then, so then we go back to more of the tech side, which is you got your domain, but then, you know, don't go crazy. Right. You know, you got to still drip it out, even though it's a different domain. Right. And uh You know, like whether it's every hour, I mean, you got to have almost have to create, let's say you buy a 5,000 name list for the first time Mm -hmm. and you're doing this or something. Don't send them out all at once, right? You know, how how do you, what's your strategy to say, well, how do I send them out a little bit at a time? I just do them separate, create my CSV and do different batches and name them differently. And
1: Yeah, so it comes... Yeah, so that's a yeah, so it comes down to the application that you're using. So a good example that I like to give is that if you use the high level SaaS application, um, it has the ability to automatically drip the right. campaigns oh, out yeah. based upon a predefined variable um or a time interval. So that's the best thing to do. And so um but maybe a hundred 100-
0: but for an established company doesn't have that, so they just have their own CRM and marketing email, they might have to buy a new email program, possibly that's
1: Yeah, or manually do it. So like there's all sorts of different ways, depending on the applications that you're using. Uh, You could do it via tags. You know, there's all kinds of different complicated scenarios you can create with automations. Um, The best approach though, if you are, uh, let's say that you're going to do cold email sending on a 5,000 user list. The best way to do this is to remember that most of the systems, especially if you go with an ESP like SendGrid or Mailgun, anything like that, you're automatically going to be part of a shared pool of IPs. And that's going to give you, that's kind of a blessing in a way. You can almost immediately begin sending out huge volumes of email, even though it's a new domain, you still have to be careful, but most inbox providers are going to look at the IP that's actually sending that particular email. So most of the time, a shared IP is already warmed up, but there's a caveat to it. You've got to make sure that that IP is not blacklisted. So there's all sorts of things you've got to consider. Um, Speaking of blacklist, I'll go ahead and mention that real quick. Sure, so sure. if you're, if you're um, concerned with blacklist, how do you know which ones are really the valid ones? So there's tons of blacklist out there. A lot of them are niche type specific ones that you know don't really hold their weight in gold. There's a few others though to pay attention to. That's going to be Spamhaus, that's spelled H-A-U-S, Spamcop, Sorbs, and UCE Protect. So there's four. I've
0: seen that one, yeah.
1: Yep. So pay attention to those. Yeah, and those will actually wreak havoc, especially on Microsoft-owned inboxes. Right. Gmail, uh, Google does not honor those as much, but it's more of the um, AOL and Microsoft versions of inbox providers.
0: That's a tough one. But how many – so if you're a business and you have, like, Microsoft – you have your own domain, but if you're on the Microsoft servers, that's what you're talking about, right? Exactly. It's like a Hotmail or so it's still beating. Well,
1: them. well. so, yeah, that's a good point. I'm glad you mentioned that. So, yeah, it could be Office 365 if you're doing it in the cloud, uh, if you've got your own deployment of Exchange, which is rare nowadays, uh, but you still see that. But, yeah, so MSN, Outlook.com, and even Hotmail, so they're all apart. They're using the same algorithm, the same technology to filter out messaging, And I know this for a fact. If you look at the raw information that's coming in an email, you can see what Microsoft has done under the hood. They give you certain stats. You don't know exactly everything that they've done, but it gives you little stats within the raw information, Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting.
0: So so big picture here is, okay, so we talked about, you know, of course, the tech setup. We don't want to bore the audience for that. That's what you do. Um, with the host and everything and you know and checking all those boxes and stuff but um which is an art in itself as you know that's why you do it um but then then you have you know you know however you're sending it you know in batches and things like that best practice now if if you did get blacklisted on a tool and you track it because a lot of people don't know that unless you know the tools help you or a third-party tool you might check it and whatever it is it's and you're on that you have to decide okay what do i do now right do i buy a new domain and slow it down or you know you also want to make sure i think that that five thousand names go through a verifier right instead of
1: yeah yeah i would instead of you know wasting time and energy i would definitely if you're if you're purchasing a, a cold email list make sure you scrub it as best you can um, that is going to be a really good approach and there are a couple of uh, tools that I recommend that you look okay. into. Uh, there's one called Emailable.
0: Oh, that's what I use. Yeah.
1: Yep. And then there's another one you could uh, look into Never Bounce or Zero Bounce. Um, they both kind of do the same thing. Um, but yeah, so look into those tools. We definitely want some tool to scrub those emails before you send them so that you got a better chance of delivering to Inbox.
0: And I know for our clients that I use Cold Email for, some of the list brokers you know, they obviously ask you if you trust it, would you like just verified or would you like them all or something, right? Yeah. You know, and, and they, they tell you there's risk. It doesn't mean they're not going to be delivered. We just can't verify them. So that maybe that's something you test a while later after you, you know, get your first list going, right? And then you can- exactly.
1: Test. Yes.
0: Um, so you might have, you know, your first I'm not sure the time frame, just say in generic general purposes to do your verified emails over time, get your, you know, your domain going and everything. And then maybe you start layering in other emails. I mean, obviously it's always weird though. Cause you can, you know, the layman could say, Hey, I just bought from zoom, you know, 5,000 names, but I really didn't. If I'm only going to use say 2000 that are verified, what am I doing with my other 3000? I just bought. Right. Right. Exactly. So- yeah. Yeah chance you take but uh it's a chance exactly yeah but you know best practice to start off just do the verified first and save the other ones hey you never know i mean and here's the thing like and let me ask you this though i know from when i do campaigns for clients you know when you look at the mail guns and, and statistics they always talk about delivery yes it doesn't but it doesn't mean spam
1: there's a confusion
0: right. there sometimes if it's Oh, yeah. 98% deliverability. That That's really good. You know? So, but <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Why well, you explain that versus the spam filter. I, it's hard to really track how many went in spam, right?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. So, the way this works is let's say but, that you're using yeah. Melgun. So, Melgun is really notorious and even Sandgrid, right? So, they're going to give you pretty stats. We're going to, you know, get you hyped up. You're going to go to your dashboard and you're gonna, it's going to show, Hey, you've had 97% and it's in green, 97% of your emails have been delivered and you're thinking, oh, that's awesome. But wait, that's different from deliverability. It means two totally different things. So the difference is that delivered means that the recipient's email server, whether it's in Gmail or Hotmail, MSN, whatever, they've accepted the email and they've delivered it someplace for that recipient, but that could be the spam folder. So technically it's delivered. So keep that in mind. Deliverability excludes spam. It could be in in the inbox. This would also be considered um, the promos folder in Gmail. All it right. could be in any of those other types of folders. That is still considered inbox. Keep that in mind. So that would be considered deliverability. So that's the difference between the two.
0: Yeah. So you got to be careful what you report to the boss, right? And
1: it, yeah, exactly. With,
0: with a caveat. So yeah, maybe it's good to, you know, and here's a couple other tools, you know, again, this is a whole process, right? You know, this outbound cold email campaign, doing it right is, you know, we're talking about verification tools, but then there's also when you write the copy, right? And, you know, and you wrote some of that, um, you, know, you know, really quickly, once you give key points about email copy itself and, and spam. And, and
1: well, so the email copy piece, make sure. So my, my tips for this is to make sure that you're using a tool called Mel Genius, or mel-tester.com. Right, so that's, that's MelGenius. Yeah. yeah. So use those tools. You write your copy get that done, get that in place, send it out to those uh, systems. So that's melgenius.com or mail testercom What it's going to do, it's going to pick apart things. So it's going to pick apart your copy. It's also going to p- pick apart what you've got has the foundation, like your DNS records, making sure that you pr- are properly set from that foundation standpoint. And it's going to pinpoint things. And so it's definitely worth going through it. If you're using MelGenius, you want a score of 95 or above. If you're in uh, Mel hyphen tester, we definitely I'd like to see you at an eight point five or an eight point eight or above. Mm-hmm. um that's usually a good number um, different grading scales, but they look at the same stuff so, and so yeah, go ahead, go ahead.
0: No, so well, I was gonna, going sit <laughs> go. Go, 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 I was going go, go. say uh,
1: that uh, once you're there, um then at that point you know, you you stand a better chance of being delivered properly, being delivered to the inbox. You stand a better chance. That doesn't always mean that's going to happen, but you do stand a better chance. Um, if however, let's say for example, that you are on a blacklist if Mel genius shows you on a, are on a blacklist an IP blacklist, they're going to deduct eight points. Remember you, I would ignore it unless you are checking against your dedicated. Um, and keep in mind those other four that I mentioned before, they do hold some weight. Um, if you if it shows that you're on a a domain blacklist you're going to deduct, deduct eighteen points that is bigger in this case, so pay attention to that if it does show that we need to get something fixed yeah
0: um you know copy itself we talk about um um like always they always say like avoid spammy keywords like what does that mean the the you know hey, we're free <laughs> right or and and can we use the word free? Do we have to have all caps and exclamation points? I mean these are all like do these these tools really track these kinds of little crazy copy points and say this might be a spam email because it's if if
1: there's enough, there. yeah, so if there's enough in there um you know if there's enough of those types of keywords that spammers of you know of uh, what has been tracked for many many years, if it's an en- if there's enough of those types of keywords then yeah, you're going to be flagged. And so more than likely, it will go to the spam folder. So keep that in mind. And actually, there is a really good list that I can provide you uh, if you want that contains a whole list of keywords that you definitely want to adhere to or stay away from, I should say. So I can pr- provide that yeah, to you as yeah, well. Yeah, email to me
0: and I can post it. I'll do that.
1: Me. Sure. It's a really good resource. Great,
0: great. Um, so the other thing we didn't mention is again this whole technical process of a new domain is the warm-up right and i use for clients warm inbox i think there's also Lemwarm. i mean that's all part of the whole setup process right it, it,
1: yeah so yeah so like um woodpecker is kind of a weird name for a tool but that <laughs> is a decent one uh as far as warming up a domain so keep in mind that you know if you're if you just purchased a brand new domain for sending purposes, um, Mail Genius is going to flag you. It's going to say, "Hey, your domain is way too young." You can still use it. Mail Genius will ignore this fact once it gets over uh, 365 days. So you've got to have you've got to have it owned for a year before Mail Genius will get rid of that warning. But that's a good point. So you can begin sending email, but just know that you could potentially be on well you can be flagged with inbox providers so depending on how many you send all at once and it's brand new that's kind of a bad sign for uh, an inbox provider so they're going to flag you or at least they're going to throttle you to a degree so in this case what's going to happen is that they're going to allow let's say 20 emails out of a thousand come through and they're going to wait to see how users react to that message and then if they got good reactions engagement then they're going to let another 20 to 40 to 50 go through. That's kind of the the game they play until they get a warm and fuzzy. If you get, if you get past these barriers and they trust you over time, then the better chance you stand of having emails delivered in in the inbox a lot quicker.
0: Yeah. Well, another thing about the inbox, the warming is how that works for the layman out there is I guess they automatically send emails from your domain and the people in these communities, respond to help everybody or is that all automated um so it looks like there's replies happening that's the whole idea right
1: yeah they're they're truly sending it to inboxes that they can control and so there's bots or something that's controlling it and so it'll read it it'll respond back and that's kind of the process you want true engagement back and forth clicking of links in an email that you've sent as part of the warm-up strategy replying to an email things of that sort they don't open it immediately. But you know they're they're trying to make it as as um, as clean as possible, right?
0: It's like AI or something, and which is what it is. Isn't yeah. that kind of funny? This whole big thing of the cold email. I mean, you think it's legitimate, but then we're doing all these little tricks to make sure, you know, that you know don't send it from your domain because you don't want to get flagged. I mean, it just seems like in the big picture, it's like, Is it really worth the time? <laughs> right. So why are we doing <laughs> this anyway? You know, because people don't like to get bad emails, right? You know, versus yeah, deleting them themselves. You know, yeah, I, always, and, I always say like, it's like watching television, you know, on cable or whatever, and and you're getting an ad to you that you don't care about. What are you going to do? Complain, right? Just skip right. it. <laughs> what yeah. else is on? <laughs> so, and, and
1: a good thing to remember is that these inbox providers, yeah. they're there to protect their user base, so that's why you've got to be careful. That's why you've got to take these approaches. So they are in it for protecting of their users. And so that's why yeah, you just yeah. got to be careful and mindful of that.
0: I always know when people get these emails, they start getting cliche, like quick question, you know, and I know that's a uh, automated or something, or you get the ones that say like, I know you're really busy. You must have missed my last email. Right. You know, these are all automated tools, aren't there? So. Um, you know, hey, if, if this user does not open email, send them this reminder email, you know, even though he didn't ask for me. Um, but, you know, so I wouldn't get hung up on this. This is part of a marketing strategy we talk about. You know, we have search engine marketing, of course, and, you know, inbound and 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 all these other. And then the teleservice companies, you know, they're just interrupting people with the phone. Right. And, and right. Then, you know, we're interrupting people with an email subject line that um, hopefully grabs someone's attention to at least open it. And, um and you know what people, there's lists all over companies are all over doing lists and you're on one, I'm sure, and you didn't ask for it, but it's just part of a marketing, you know, like I said, it, it just, if it, if it, if it, you know, grabs your attention and may, may intrigue you and the message inside does, and it's not spammy, you know, that might be helpful. You might click and say, download a guide or do something in action, right? Um, it's all part of the big picture of a lead generation. So, but there's just a way to do it the right way, which is, the, you know, what Matt does here is help companies, um, get the back end ready so that we can email people in bulk, <laughs> right? Exactly. And
1: do it the right way. Exactly. You will stand a better chance of getting it delivered.
0: Yeah. So think positive on this. It just, it's a process. It's a process.
1: It's the, yeah. Trust the process.
0: Uh, Before we go, um, any other last words, Anything missing or any messages toward people listening here about, you know, what we just spoke about?
1: No, um, the only other thing, you know, if we if you get into this whole email game, especially around cold email, just remember that it may not be a good thing to do a dedicated IP. Uh, This question comes up all the time. It's going to be better for you guys with a cold email, um, cold email sending domain to stay on a shared pool of IPs. If you get a dedicated, that's the only one you're on. So you're going to constantly have to change. So kind of keep that in mind. Yeah, so that's what I recommend. And you're going to, you know, it depends. So if your cold email list is receptive to your messaging, sure. Maybe there's a different approach there. Maybe that's uh, you've chosen a good niche. Um, There's certainly some things to look at before you go down that road. But yeah, you can look at logs and see how people are engaging with you if you've got if you've got good open rate if you have got a good engagement stats then maybe you could consider a dedicated but keep that in mind yeah i'll be careful with it with cold that's, email
0: that's interesting because usually like the mail guns, the servers say hey spend more because it's better to have a dedicated ip now if you share. well it, and if somebody else spams on a share you might get hurt by that even though it's not your company is that true
1: so, well, the way it works is that uh, if you're on a, if you're on a shared pool of IPs, there's other people also using it. So there's going to be you know bad actors that are a part of that. that are you know not sitting with best practices. Yeah. They're doing all kinds of things they shouldn't. So it's going to ruin that IP for others. So that you got you run that risk. Um, but that again is just a game that you play. Um, but you know it comes down to a lot of factors, and it really comes down to how your audience is engaging with you. If the the better idea for a dedicated is if you get people into your funnel, into your world, you've converted them, you're on a routine basis communicating with them and they're opening up your emails. Um, then it may be a better idea to do a de- dedicated to that. At that point. Um, there's a lot of different things that kind of go into right. it, but that's, right. that's one of them. we
0: me to test and everything. Exactly. So, so this is really good. And you know, um, this podcast, I'm sure I'll be sending them my 30,000 cold email list, but <laughs> it's all verified anyway. Um, <laughs> but, um, This is really good information. I think people who may not really understand the idiosyncrasies, if you want to use that word, of code email deployment the right way, that's what um, this is good information to really understand. And that's what, you know, it's part of the whole setup process. So, um, you know, and it's important because your reputation and, you know, you're still trying to generate leads and sales. And, you know, by interrupting people with a really important message, and doing it the right way. Exactly. So well, Matt Ratliff, again, your website and what you do in the tech setup for clients is funneltechie.com. Dot com.
1: Funneltechie.com. That's T-E-C-H-I-E. Okay. com.
0: All right. Great. Well, um, thanks for joining me. And uh, Thank you. This is Paul Mosenson. Hang on there, for a sec And uh um, Thanks for listening. I know I haven't done one in a while, but um, this is good information. Everybody, still be safe out there. Um, Fingers crossed for shit going on in the world. And, um, you know, and still think about your business and what's best for um, driving traffic and leads to your website. Outbound marketing the right way um, is an element um, that can be part of your strategy if done the right way. All right. Thanks, everybody.
1: Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince. Thanks for.